center and coming in is Loom. Millendike centered it. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, happy Monday. We are underway this hour. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to a like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you this hour. So where do things sit when it comes to the Flames and their search for a new head coach? Uh, Of course, Craig Conroy hasn't even been on the job for a week officially. Um... So, and he was engaged in amateur scouting meetings for most of last week. So I think the uh, coaching search is still in its infancy relative to some of the other teams around the league. So we are starting to hear some names thrown around. We are starting to hear some very significant repeat names being thrown around. This is the latest from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. This from the latest 32 Thoughts podcast, which came out Monday, available wherever you get your podcasts. This uh, the latest from Elliot Friedman on Calgary's coaching search. I think they've got a long list. I think there's the three internals, Huska, Muller, who, as we mentioned, has got some other tension in Mitch Love. But I've heard there are some other candidates here as well, some externals. You know, I think they asked Laviolette. I'm, I'm assuming the answer was no. You know my feelings on Tangay that he might get a conversation in all of this. Yep. The more I think about your guy, Mark Savard, the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. I got to think Brunette's in there mixed too. It just makes sense. But I've heard it's a long list. So that was Elliot and Jeff Merrick on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast Monday and available wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of names there. I actually want to start with Kirk Muller because you heard him say he's been getting some attention elsewhere. He's been, Elliot tied him to two other jobs and had him on Anaheim's list for a head coach as they're replacing Dallas Akins and tied him to Columbus as well as they're also looking for a replacement for Brad Larson. So feels like just based on, you know, what we and or, or, or what we've heard or, or even what's been talked about, it feels like, Muller might be number three on the internal list for the Flames. I don't know that for sure, but just that that seems to be the the indication or or the thought that's out there. But it also feels like you're likely losing him if he isn't head coach next year. That because he's got some interest in some other head coaching spots, and because I think he'll end up whether it's with Calgary or elsewhere, I think he'll end up on an NHL bench next year. Um, it feels like of of the three internals, the guy that seems least likely to be back feels like Kirk Muller. Yeah, I think that's fair, and and it's been really fascinating that he also seems like the third most likely to land the job. Yeah, you know, it, it for a guy who has head coaching experience, for a guy who's been around the game the longest of the three internal candidates, and, and I'm certainly not saying just being around the game the longest should be the, you know, the way this decision is made, but given Kirk Muller's credentials, given the respect he has in the locker room, it's a little bit surprising that he sort of feels sometimes like the throw in name, like, Oh yeah. And there's three internal candidates. Cause we, 
We've talked a lot about Mitch Love, the two-time AHL coach of the year. We've talked a lot about Ryan Huska, an assistant coach who has gone quite far down the road with at least one NHL team in terms of their head coach opening yeah. in years past. And and yet, Kirk Muller is a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of love externally. And yes, I think it's accurate that if he doesn't get the job, typically, if you're the associate coach, you're waiting for the job to come open. And if he doesn't get it, yes, I, I think he'll go elsewhere. Maybe he goes elsewhere before the Flames have filled their position. I'd love to... and. You know, I'd love to hear your take on this. I was going to say, I I wish we had a player sitting here in this empty chair to answer this question that I don't know the answer to. If Kirk Muller has essentially been playing good cop to Daryl Sutter's bad cop for the past three seasons. Which a lot of associates do. Yes. Can you put him into the head coach role and still achieve a new voice? I'd love to know the answer to that. Fair. I, I think that there have been guys that have struggled with that before. Uh, I think Gl- Jeff Ward struggled with it. Uh, I think Gl- Glenn Gulliton wasn't on the staff, but I think that he struggled with that as as a head coach with the Flames. Um, no, I think it's a fair question. It was it was a lot of times Kirk Muller, and you and I both know this. It was a lot of times Kirk Muller addressing the team, and so. If you decided that Daryl Sutter needed to go, that you needed a new voice, and don't get me wrong, Kirk Muller was not in lockstep with Daryl in terms of the way he addressed the group. This is a very different voice, but if you've decided you need a new voice on your coaching staff, I wonder if he applies. Yeah, that's because, and, and now you have that challenge of going from the, the good cop voice to now you're the guy and... Yeah, it's a fair question. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of assistants have to battle with when they get the bump to being a head coach, especially if they stay inside the organization. Some of them do it just fine, and and it's a little bit more of a challenge for some other guys. I also think it works against Kirk that he was the guy primarily tasked with running the forwards and the power play. Yeah. And to have... Jonathan Huberto, especially Nazem Kadri, even Elias Lindholm have such an underwhelming season offensively to have a power play that finished into the bottom half, not, not deep in the bottom half of the league, but I believe it was 19th in the league this season. That to me works against Kirk Muller as a candidate as well. Uh, I think Huska and Love are kind of neck and neck right now when it comes to the internal candidates. We've talked a lot about them and I'm, Big fan of both guys. And I, I really think as much as we just talked about the challenges that go from being an assistant to a head coach in the same organization, I think Huska is the type of guy that can navigate that and navigate it well. And and I think Mitch Love is uh, a rising star coaching candidate. We've talked a lot about those two guys. Let's dive in on some of the external names that were thrown out there by Elliot Friedman, starting with Peter Laviolette. And and doesn't sound like he's going to be Flames head coach. Sounds like he'll be the Rangers head coach. That's the way things are trending right now. He is, of all the established names that are out there, like the, the Bruce Boudreaux and, and Gerard Gallant and names like that, he's the one that I, I like the most just because I've always appreciated. Now, we, you and I were talking about this off the air. It didn't necessarily go this way with the Washington Capitals. 
But for the most part, when Laviolette gets somewhere, he makes an impact right away. And he, you know, the the way the team plays meaningfully changes and changes for the better. Um, I, I take a look at what he did in Nashville. That is the one that I think is is maybe the most evident, but I thought he did a good job in Philadelphia. I uh, thought he did a solid, obviously won a title in Carolina, but it's Philadelphia and Nashville that I really just appreciated the way that things changed upon him getting there and the immediate, the immediate impact that he had. And the Predators got better. And yes, it eventually dropped off and they made the change. And the Flyers immediately got better and then it dropped off and they made the change. So of all the established names that were out there, Laviolette was the one that I... I'm not in love with Gerard Gallant as a coaching option. I'm not in love with Bruce Boudreaux. I, I would much rather them go internal or go a little bit younger or less established. But Laviolette was the one exception for me. But it's kind of a moot point because it sounds like he'll be the head coach of the Rangers. Gerard Gallant is a guy that I don't think I would be hiring as the next head coach of the Calgary Flames, but I want him in the interview process almost the entire way because there are few people in hockey and maybe maybe there's not another person in hockey who knows Jonathan Huberto's game as well as Gerard Gallant. They go back to their days in St. John of the, Q, of the Q. They worked together in Florida early in Jonathan's career. I want to pick Gerard Gallant's brain on what didn't work for Jonathan Huberto in his first season with the Flames. And so... I guess that's my way of of saying that he interests me more than Peter Laviolette does. Of the retread names, he's he's the guy that I would have most involved in the process. I'd be bringing him in for an interview, and I'd be talking a lot about Jonathan Huberto and give him the chance to really impress you. I don't think that he's different enough from Daryl Sutter in the way he operates. I I don't think that the style of play would be different enough. I don't think that he would be the guy giving a ton of opportunity to young players. Yeah. And so I don't think he's ultimately the fit, but I have a lot of questions for him. Just too much of what we heard from guys like Elliot about Gerard Gallant's exit in New York. Right. It sounded far too similar to Daryl's exit here. I absolutely agree. I just, I know he'll want to be a part of the process and I think there's a lot you can learn from him. Uh, What about Mark Savard? That's an interesting one because he has exactly one year of head coaching experience under his belt, but that one year pretty successful with OHL Windsor this past year, 44, 17 and seven, and then a trip to the OHL championship. Greg, Greg Gilbert would tell you he was trying to coach the flames back in the day too. Good point. That's yeah. a deep cut. Gilby, Gilby and Savvy did not get a... Not necessarily see eye to that eye. Was not, that was not the... the that was uh, kind of very uh, Huberto Sutter-esque was Savard and Greg Gilbert. He's, uh, he's a fascinating name, and everything that you hear is that he is an absolute rising star in the coaching business. I remember, I remember doing um, an NHL preview show... And we did kind of one guy in each market. So I quarterback from here. We had Alex Ald, who, when he was working at 650, was uh, the Vancouver voice. You're you're going to call me a liar right now, but yeah. I remember listening to this show. Jeez. 
one of the two. Uh, <laughs> and and Savard was the other. And I was just just listening to the way Savard broke down guys. I was like, damn, you can like he was in an analyst role and had yet to transition to coaching. He's only got two years of coaching under his belt, but he was in an analyst role and he was just breaking down all kinds of things that I would never see. Like, cause I'm not, I I've never played at a high level. I just don't have the, the hockey IQ that a guy as good as Mark Savard does. And that was one of his selling points was that he was a really smart hockey player, especially offensively. But he was talking about the way guys taped their sticks and the way they took passes and, and just, Things that you're like, no, nope, the, the average eye doesn't see that thing or the average eye doesn't see those things. And so I can see him being a rising star in the coaching world for sure. He's a super interesting name to me. And, and let's just share a conversation that we had before the show started today. And, and we were discussing the possibility that the Flames are probably through this process shopping for a couple of coaches, that it makes sense that you're not only hiring a head coach, but you'd love to bring in a rising star to work on his staff. I think I could see Mark Savard more in that capacity. And and a guy I brought up, you know, one thing I said off mic was I could see a scenario where it's maybe Ryan Huska, and then you try and bring in Alex Tongay as an associate coach. That would be an elevated role from what he's currently in in Detroit. And so... It worries me, you know, we we talked about whether Mitch Love has enough coaching experience and head coaching experience, and he's had two years in the WHL and two years with the Calgary Wranglers or, or Stockton Heat. It worries me that Mark Savard has two years total of coaching experience, one as an assistant with the St. Louis Blues and another as a head coach for the Windsor Spitfires. I'd probably consider him at this point more for a role on the staff than as head coach, but he's already developing that sort of cachet. He's already on that list of rising stars, and it makes perfect sense that that would be a guy that you'd at least love to have a conversation with. Uh, Alex Tongay has been a name that we've heard for a few weeks now. Just at the World Championship with Team Canada, one gold there, uh, and, a, and a very well thought of mind now, offensive mind specifically. Uh, he's been an assistant coach in Detroit with two head coaches the last the last two seasons. And yeah, as, as you just said, head coach, maybe. If not, is there a way you could bring a Savard or you could bring a Tange in to be the guy? If, if Kirk Muller ends up leaving... And he does not have a contract after June 30th. The next guy to kind of run the forwards and run the power play, would a guy like Tongay make sense? Would would he jump at the chance to be an associate and get the pay bump and, and the step bump? Same thing with Savard. And I don't know if you need to make Savard uh, an associate coach because he's coming from the OHL. Yeah, absolutely. And Tongay is a guy that I expect there to be a lot of buzz around as this process goes on. There's an obvious connection there to Craig Conroy. They were teammates in Calgary. There's a connection now. When I spoke to Mackenzie Weger, I, I feel like I've dropped that sentence. Yes, I spoke. I'm Aaron Vickers now. Yes, I spoke to Mackenzie Weger during World Championships. Congratulations. He went, and this was before Alex Tongay's name was originally brought up by Elliot Friedman. He talked about all the things he was learning from Tongay in his role as power play quarterback. And it's one of those things now you look back on and, and think, geez, okay, that was really 
interesting. We're talking about a, a team, an organization here in Calgary that wants to be more creative offensively, that wants to, after the Daryl Sutter era, wants to take the shackles off its star players a little bit and see what sort of high-end plays they can make when they're not worried about just always sort of fitting in that structure. Yeah. And Alex Tongay to me, is the exact sort of coach who can who can bring that out of guys. I mean, we know how cerebral of a player he was. We had those conversations. Like, this was a guy who was breaking down the game oh, absolutely. long before he was coaching it. And he... I think there's going to be a lot of buzz around Alex, whether it's Go ahead, sorry, whether it's as a head coaching candidate or potentially a, as sort of that right-hand man to someone with a little more experience. The most cerebral guy I've ever been around, and not just with hockey. Like That guy was the most aware player that I've ever been around. And, and yes, this is... Uh, it's not maybe the most relatable if you're not in the media, but I'll, I'll just, I'll give you an idea. Uh, this would have been, so when did Alex Tong, I think Alex Tongay's first year back was 09-10 or 2010-11, one of the two. Um, his first year back was 2010-11, yeah. So he comes back in 2010 and starts his three straight seasons with the Flames. And I was just starting on the beat then. And uh, about midway through 2011, we had a change at the station. And I went from doing just the call-in show to now being on Rob's show. And Boomer made the bump to the morning. And I remember maybe a week in, two weeks in, uh, I was able to start being around the Flames a little bit more at practices and morning skates because before I was in the studio doing different things, so I couldn't be there at most practices. And it would have been a week or at most two weeks in, Tongay just said, uh, hey, Pat, you're gonna like it's cool to see that you're going to be at the rink a little bit more now. I'm like, WTF, like, what do you mean? He goes, well, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, with all the changes, like, it's awesome. Like, uh, it's, it's cool that you're going to be here more. Like, said that out of nowhere. Right. And I was like, that's very, like, and it just was an example of this dude is dialed. He knew exactly what was going on. Other teams around the league, he was very, very good to your point about breaking down the game. And he just, he knew everything that was going on around him. And I think that makes for a really, really good head coach. And those are qualities that I think make for a really good head coach. I had a conversation with him several years ago in the lead up to the outdoor game in Regina, just wanting to talk to some players who went through the McMahon stadium experience and, you know, how does an outdoor game differ now years removed from it? What do you remember about it? And the, the sort of nuances of that day that were still fresh in his memory like this was a guy who I feel like he could have replayed the entire game back for you in his mind. And the more I've, I've thought about him since that conversation I had. And then since Elliot raised him as a candidate at first, he can make a lot of sense that this is a guy who was sort of born to be a coach in some ways. And, and, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that job interview. I really would. I, I think this is a really intriguing name. Let me read you a few texts. Uh, first of all, before I do that, anything that I missed? Am I missing any names there? 
Well, Andrew Brunette's sort oh, of I'm the yeah, easy Brunette one. I have written down right there. Sorry, uh, we didn't get to Brunette. I have him written down as the last one. And I think he seems to be connected to every open job as well. And for good reason. I know that Florida has gotten much further this year without Brunette than they did with him. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. But he did a hell of a job last year with them. And I think deserves another shot as a, as a head coach in the NHL. I'll throw a few more at you. And let me preface this by saying, I think we covered sort of the most likely candidates, especially now with the inclusion of Andrew Brunette, but I'll, I'll chuck a couple more your direction. I wonder about Jeff Halpern, an assistant coach of the Tampa Bay lightning. I think much, much in the same way we had conversations about the appeal of Sean Cork, Horkoff, I'm sorry, yep. as a GM, is that he's been learning from Steve Eiserman. Well, I feel that way about Jeff Halpern and his opportunity to work alongside John Cooper yep. and, and obviously coach in a whole lot of pressure-packed situations. That's a name that that is intriguing to me. I wonder, actually, about Nate Lehman, the head coach at Providence College. Craig Conroy has grown to be so well connected at the NCAA level that I fully anticipate we're going to hear some college names floated about. He he is very well connected in the college ranks. He came up through the college ranks. He almost became a college coach himself. And as I sort of ponder the names I'm familiar with at the NCAA level, I wonder okay. about Nate Lehman. And then the last name I would throw out there, and I'm curious to your reaction to it, if he becomes available in the next couple of weeks, are you interested in talking to Sheldon Keefe? Yeah, I am. 100%. I think you have to be. I really do. Yeah, I absolutely am uh, thinking about that. I think Keefe's a hell of a coach. I think he can do a whole lot worse than him. I, I mean, I don't know if he becomes a free agent. But if at some point in this process, and, and there's not the same rush to me to hire a head coach as there is to get a general manager in place. I, I don't think Craig Conroy and company want to slow play this, but you can kind of see what unfolds. I, I'm not sure you're swimming in the same waters as, as the Rangers. If it looks like it's going to be Laviolette there, certainly sounds like it might be Spencer Carberry in Washington. Sounds like Columbus is on the, the brink of naming someone. The Patrick Wall rumors there are, are um, eyebrow-raising. So you you can wait, and I'd be curious to see if Sheldon Keefe becomes available. And, and if he is, I'd love to have that conversation. Few texts at 960-960. Uh, hire Huska, move Love to Huska's assistant spot. Hire Savard to be the AHL head coach and bring in Tange for associate. I don't know. I like. I honestly it's don't. An know. interesting staff there. It is an interesting staff, but I don't know if all that, if all that flies. Like, is does Mitch Love want to move from head coach to assistant coach? I don't know. Um, are there other head coaching jobs outside of the Wranglers in the NHL that Mitch Love might be chasing? So, but that's an interesting way of going about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot to like there. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd have a conversation conversation with Mitch if you weren't going to give him the head coaching job I'm not sure it doesn't make sense to leave him in the AHL for one more season for that head coaching experience that we've talked about but that's uh that's a good text it's an interesting staff uh if Mitch Love gets promoted would you bring Savard in as the new head coach for the Wranglers sure why not 
do hey, you th- hey we're like we're gonna need to stretch flames talk out a little so let's not let's not commit to the next wranglers head coach yeah you know on. that's a segment that's a segment we got a whole summer here yeah uh do you think it's possible gallant would come in as an associate that for murray my gut says no I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by having a guy who has only been a head coach for as long as he has as your associate. I especially think with a a younger, less experienced head coach, that head coach can get overwhelmed pretty quickly by the next voice in the room if it's a guy with as much experience as Gerard. I, I, I like the idea of having an assistant or an associate, especially if you go young, like Mitch Love, for example, Alex Tonga, you're going to want a guy who's been around the block for a long time. But I don't think you want a guy who's been in the positions Gerard Gallant has been. I, I, I think you risk having your associate coach sort of take control. Coming up, uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. So a week from Saturday, June 10th, we will be grilling with the Flames alumni at Trail Appliances, 6880 11th Street Southeast. You know where it is. It is their massive spot uh, down uh, down in the uh, Heritage Meadows area. Like you, you can't miss Trail in their huge spot. Come on down, meet and greet with some former members of the Flames. Barbecue with proceeds going towards Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids. Every plate purchased also enters you into a grand prize draw for a brand new $2,200 value barbecue. Uh, Logan and I will be broadcasting from 11 to 1 on June 10th. Uh, We'll be grilling with the Flames alumni, all thanks to our friends at Trail Appliances, family owned and operated for 48 years with barbecues in stock, including Canadian-made Napoleon. For more details, visit sportsnet.ca slash 960. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, been lots of Elias Lindholm buzz over the last week or so. And a lot of it, I see it all the time on social media from different Flames accounts. Like, when are they doing it? When is this deal happening? Because uh, there's been this, I don't, I don't know where it started. But I think it's a I think it's a social media thing. I yeah, think it's a Twitter thing. Yeah, a lot of it centered on moving Elias Lindholm to Columbus with the third overall selection in the upcoming draft coming back the other way. A lot of people buzzing about it. You know, our our social team has put out different tweets about it. A um, lot of malarkey. Is that what you think? I mean, if West the- says malarkey. If the Columbus Blue Jackets were indeed offering the third overall pick for Elias Lindholm, if Elias Lindholm was indeed willing to sign a long-term extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets, this trade would be done already. There would be no need for the Calgary Flames with Craig Conroy or anyone else at general manager to spend too long pondering. It'd be done. What if Lindholm wanted to resign? In Calgary? Yeah. 
Well, you wouldn't be talking about trading him to Columbus if he wasn't. Like, if he was willing to sign. And this is why. I don't know where this started. I I just know how good of a word malarkey is, and I personally feel like these rumors (laughs) qualify as malarkey. I don't think... I just don't think it's happening. I, I think the Calgary Flames are absolutely going to push to get Elias Lindholm re-signed. Craig Conroy said at his introductory press conference, that will be one of my first phone calls. I actually think that phone call had happened already. I believe he'd reached out even before being introduced as GM, which tells you the significance of where Elias Lindholm's future is on his to-do list. Yes. On the the flip side of it, so I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense for the Flames to already be that far down the road that they're trading him no matter what. On the flip side, I don't think that the Columbus Blue Jackets in the state of their franchise right now, and yes, understanding that the chemistry between Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau is terrific. Yep. I just don't think you're trading away the third overall pick. Well, at least not for just a 28-year-old with one year left on his deal. Because I went, okay, so here's, let's just say for a second, let's just forsake this because it's been such a topic. Let's call it malarkey mania. We'll have a new segment. Yeah, this is Wes's. By the way, I went and I uh, looked at the uh, definition. Malarkey, perdictionary.com. Meaningless talk, nonsense. So there you go. That's what. Uh, that's how Wes category, categorizes this chat. But just for a second, let's pretend it's not malarkey in your mind. Okay. Let's pretend that the Flames and Lindholm aren't going to be able to come to a deal. That's already been decided. Let's, for sake of this conversation, suggest that... Uh, Columbus and Lindholm, or Lindholm would have interest in signing with Columbus on an extension, and that Columbus was willing to part with the third overall pick under the right circumstances. I went and I did some research because I don't think Lindholm's getting a third overall, just based on how much it's taken for first-round picks in the top 15 to move over the last decade. And and we're talking about a hell of a player here. Yeah. But, take it away. So... One year left on his deal at his age, I don't think Lindholm straight up for third overall is happening, and I, I and I I think it's not happening from Columbus's standpoint. If if you knew that Lindholm wasn't coming back and Columbus was willing to go straight up, I think if you're the Flames, you do it all day. I just don't think the Blue Jackets do that. So over the last decade, we've seen a few top fifteen picks move in deals, and I'll just here's what I was able to dig up, and I might have missed one or two, but here's what I was able to dig up. So take you back a decade ago, Vancouver got the ninth overall selection, who turned out to be Bo Horvat, straight up for Corey Schneider. And Corey Schneider was the hot commodity goaltender, and that got him straight up ninth overall. Yeah. On on the draft floor, if I remember correctly. Absolutely. It was, uh, wasn't even broken by an insider. It was broken by Gary Bettman himself. I remember being on the draft floor in Newark, and Bettman broke that one. The original insider, Absolutely. Gary Bettman. And so he would have been at that time 27 years old. So Schneider was the hot shot goaltender at 27. Everybody thought he was going to be the next guy, and he got ninth overall. In 2015, Boston got 13th overall and Martin Jones from L.A. 
for Milan Lucic and Colin Miller. They also got 15th overall in two seconds from Calgary for Dougie. The Islanders got 16th overall, turned out to be Barzell, from Edmonton for Griffin Reinhardt. Woof. And I don't think you could throw that one at anybody. Be like, well, 16th overall for Griffin Reinhardt. That's a comparable because everybody knew at the time that was an awful trade, and it turned out to be even worse. The highest picks that have gone in the last decade that have been traded are 7th overall selections. The Rangers acquired one in 2017 from Arizona. New York got 7th overall from the Coyotes and Tony D'Angelo for Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta. So that was in 2017, which actually, you know, Stepan was a good player at the time, but that didn't turn out to be such a great trade for the Arizona Coyotes. No, you'd take that one back, wouldn't you? Yep, I think so. And then in 2022, Chicago got seventh overall. So this is last year for Alex DeBrinket, a second and a third. So seventh overall cost Chicago DeBrinket and two other picks. And DeBrinket, in his early 20s and a 40-goal score. That's what it took to get seventh overall. You're telling me Lindholm, who's also scored 40 in this league, but is 28 years old and has one year left on his deal, going into unrestricted. Debrinket had one year left going into restricted free agency. You're telling me Lindholm on his own would net third overall? Probably not. Now, I'm not saying I, that that's what people are suggesting. I'm telling you that's malarkey. That would be malarkey. You would have to give up more to get third overall. If you, You'd have to give up Lindholm plus your first pick, plus something else, I think, to move into the top three. Because we have not seen a top three pick move in ages. They just don't move. I'm over here trying to look it up. Has it happened since the Sedins? That might be the last time the number three pick was traded. That feels feels about right. Yeah. Number one picks um, don't get traded. No. Number two picks... Don't get traded. Even when Buffalo was so upset that they didn't get Connor McDavid in 2016, they didn't move number two. They took Jack Eichel. This year's draft is the deepest draft in ages. You are going to, if if Columbus even considered moving their third overall pick, and I know that they don't want to be a rebuilding team forever, but you are going to have to pay through the nose to move into a spot like that. That's my only point with the whole thing is that yeah, I think you'd have to it would have to be a step above Lindholm. Yeah, and, and I love the research you did on this, but comparing even a trade to ninth or seventh overall and and your point obviously being that it just doesn't happen very often. Like third overall in a potentially all-time deep draft class is another conversation. That's another echelon. You could I think make the case and and I'm probably speaking a little bit out of my you know what here because I don't know I, I I don't profess to have been scouting draft eligible prospects all winter but like Connor Bedard is generational. Adam Fantilli we've heard many people say would be a good number 1 overall pick a lot of years. So there's a potential at number three, that you're getting a guy who would go first overall some years. Yep. Not in the deepest years, but that's the type of player that you think you might be able to get at third overall. And for Columbus, a team that is not one piece away from being a playoff team, let alone contending, 
to trade that pick away for an in-his-prime center who is a good player, who is a first-line center, but not he's not on the elite of the elite list. He'd be an upgrade. Like, he's better than Boone Jenner. Yes, but he's he's not one of the top five centers in the NHL. Yep. And I, I actually think that's the type of player that you're talking about to get in that conversation. Well, and here's the other problem. You know, the a number one center. Now, I know there were different circumstances, but at the time, what, a 25-year-old number one center moved last year by the name of Jack Eichel? And there wasn't even a first-round pick included in that trade. Uh, sorry, there was. There was a conditional first-round pick. But still, they got... Now, there were some good players, Tuck and Krebs, that got Eichel. But again, like... To get into that type of range, it takes a ton. And it's why we haven't seen a top three pick move in ages. I can't think. And you might be right. We might be going all the way back to what, 98? 1999. 99 with with those two guys? To get to third overall, you're you're talking about Elias Lindholm, extended, plus, plus, eat some money, and now we're talking. Like it wouldn't, you would have to probably give up this year's like swap picks this year and give up next year's first plus something else to get into that third overall range. I mean, Columbus should absolutely be asking for one of your young defensemen as part of that deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's that word again? Wes calls it malarkey, friends. That's uh, it's malarkey. That's right from Wes Gilbertson. Do we? I know we're getting towards the top of the hour here. Do you yeah. want to tell me about another place you and Logan are broadcasting from coming up? No, I think that's uh, that's all we got. We've hit them all, hey. Yeah, I think that at least for now. Save some for later in the week. We need to choose some other places that you're not coming to. <laughs> uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Our producers have been Taylor Dingman and Cam Hughes. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk, and this hour has been The Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.